0: I did everything my mentors and advisors said. I went to school. I got good grades. I got a good job. And I was like, I am not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I don't know who I am. So I was really faced with myself and had to meet myself in a different way. Just understanding how my childhood really impacted who I was at that point in life. and I didn't realize the connection. I thought that because I was so far removed from those experiences, I'm like, okay, it's done. I was like, I never addressed the stuff, right?
1: either world you're listening to the hectic podcast with me daryl kelly
2: and me michelle lee and um this week not only did you say that you hated me in the podcast directly (laughs) Uh,
1: to me you butthead
2: but then also you called me and said um how much did you know about this guest and i thought i am feeling personally victimized (laughs) (laughs) But and I had to tell you full credit to this incredible, incredible podcast goes to to Neal Clark. She speaks bougie. Her podcast is amazing. Go listen to it, especially the episode with this week's guest, Terry Lomax. Um, This is my favorite episode of the week.
1: Of the, (laughs) oh, I like that. That's a new, that is a new Michelle term. Um, Also, this episode, full disclosure, made me cry after the episode. And I had to do a full like 45 minutes of processing. There were some really interesting points of connection here. Um, The thing that I took away the most is about self talk and the negative tapes that we tell ourselves and where those tapes often can come from. Uh, in this episode, we both talk about how some of our conditioning of these negative self tapes, these this hate talk that we have for ourselves came from a very similar space of being in uh, abusive par- parental relationships growing up and being able to have a conversation about so many parallels in life it was so nice to have the opportunity to be in a space similar to Lindsay Joe Scott, right? The space where you can take a breath with someone and know that you're understood and validated, but then it's also safe because those wounds no longer limit us and we're able to take hurt hate, take pain, take this trauma, have a healthy conversation with it, and then be able to demonstrate to others, because trauma is on a spectrum, demonstrate to others how things that happen to us ultimately don't have to define us throughout our entire life. And it was incredible to be a part of it. Like even in this space right now, like weight, just like I just was overcome with weight because it's important that we allow ourselves to be human in that sense, and connect with other humans with honesty and transparency. And that was this week and it was incredible. And while I said, I hate you on the episode, I was very irritated because I felt off guard because I thought you knew something that I didn't know about her story. And I was like, Oh, Michelle, but I'm very thankful.
2: I am also so thankful. I feel like The way I grew up was, if anything was the least bit uncomfortable, we, it was like a a whisper thing. Like you didn't say like bad things out loud. You said them like this because then, you know, I don't know why we did that, but that was just the way I approach things. And it's sort of the way that like, you know, growing up that we did approach things was if it was hard or scary or uncomfortable, it was, it, it was hidden. You know, it was quiet. We tried not to talk about it. And I love and appreciate so much that you and Terry go for it, you know? And, and that was, it's part of Terry's story is that she was like, you know, I I went for it with these topics that no one talks about and yeah. discovered there was a community of people who were just waiting for someone else that they could say, yeah, that was my story too. So yeah. I, I think this uh, is such an important podcast and I hope that um you as a listener that you will um of course like take care of yourself and and all of that before you head into this but um yeah this is an incredible episode
1: yeah and I would say take care of yourself before and after I think this is probably a disclaimer that we should probably like if emotions come up, don't just breeze past them, like create some space to just go, why did that come up? What am I feeling here? Cause there's some real stuff that's discussed here. Um, and it may be a little triggering for some people. So if it is, if it stirred something up, make sure that you, uh, spend the time to process it after.
2: Truly such an important episode. And Also like an incredible and fun episode too. So I hope that doesn't scare you off and so excited to get into this episode with Terry Lomax.
1: I'm so excited to be catching up with you. The past two weeks of doing research has just been an absolute dream. And your podcast is... So I'm like, I want to share it with my daughter. But then there's some words that I'm like, I have to have conversations with her with. But I'm like, I feel like it's worth it because it's so good. And especially for like the biracial child who's in middle school, I'm like, oh "Oh, she would just fall in love. So I think it's going to (laughs) happen.
0: Oh, okay. I'm nervous, but okay. I support it, I guess. (laughs) I think it's okay. So as long as we
1: have conversations after, because I think you're covering topics that... You know, I was listening to the sisterhood, the sisterhood episode mm. last night, yeah. and you're covering such. And by the way, we're in it. Like we're just going to do this. I think. Let's do it.
0: Yep, I'm with it. Full <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> <Full sin.
1: laughs> you're covering conversations on your podcast that I think are so important for women of color to hear, because yeah. just in hearing it, I think it's going to give the right amount of language, but then a, a but a really great representation of this is what healthy relationships with myself look like and then how yeah. I can use that to then go have healthier relationships with the world. Right. And that's why I think I should let my my daughter listen to it.
0: That makes perfect sense, Daryl. Honestly, as I as I reflected on what you said, I grew up very cons- like in a very conservative household, but I witnessed a lot of like dysfunction. And when yeah. I think back to middle school, like I was having inappropriate conversations with friends because we were exploring, and they saw things, you know, in their household <laughs> or on TV. So we were talking about <laughs> the things, but like the adults were just like pretending that it didn't exist. So it might not be a bad idea. Like I might even, you know, I'm looking forward to being able to let my daughter listen to some of those episodes, mm-hmm. even though they do get, as we say, a little blatchet on the, you know, on the <laughs> podcast, bougie, classy ratchet. Um, but they're going to have the conversations anyway. So that makes, that that's a really good point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that so as long as we're having the conversations together, because I grew up in that same household. And it's funny because that, that conservative nature is now the limiting factor of our family really being able to grow and heal and evolve. Because it's like, we just don't talk about those things, even though those are the things. And I don't know if this is universal. I know this to be true in one, a Christian black community where you're like, you have to control everything. And we Mm -hmm. only talk about these four topics. And if it's not these four topics, we don't talk about it. And you're just left going, wait, there's so much more of my identity to explore and discover. And now I have to learn it the really, really, really hard way alone, because now I've been taught how to not share and I'm not comfortable sharing. I'm not comfortable really leaning into my truest self. And so then you live your entire life trying to figure that out. My story.
0: Spot- no, it's it's our story because you're spot on. Christian black household, super religious, but also what I realized too is that like there were a lot of masks that were being worn. So like people yeah. would say one thing, but then behind the scenes, you're like, wait, this is not this is not right. Like you said this publicly, but behind the scenes, this is what's going on. So there was a lot of unlearning that I had to do personally as mm-hmm. I like just began to grow and evolve in my own journey. So I'm with you. I get it. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Hectic podcast listeners, you are so used to this, like Daryl will go all in with the guest before we, he even introduces who the guest is. I get to know the guest and we're already like talking about life stories. So Terry, I'm so happy. So, so, so happy to be catching up with you. Um, the way that I've been starting the show this season is with two questions. Who are you? And then what do you do? Two separate questions because our identity isn't in what we do.
0: That's a really good question good Question. I was gonna, I think I'm gonna go the professional route and then I think we'll dive into more of like the essence of who Love I am. It. But I'm Terry Lomax. I'm a podcaster, speaker, and brand strategist. And I basically empower entrepreneurs to leverage social media and personal branding to grow their audience, impact, and bank accounts. And currently I am really focused on my podcasting course where I teach folks how my co host and I went from zero to three million plus downloads in less than three years. And it's been such a joy helping people bring their ideas to fruition because starting a podcast. For me, it's been a lot easier than I expected it to be because it was something that was unknown. I had no idea what I was doing. So helping folks with that developmental process has been amazing. And folks that are tuning in can head on over to podcastwithTerry.com to learn more about how to um, attend my free masterclass.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. Repeat that URL.
0: It'll be in the show notes, but just repeat it just for the people that are writing it right now. Absolutely. So that's going to be podcast with Terry and that's Terry with two R's and an I. So podcastwithterry.com. That is a free podcasting masterclass that'll give you an idea of my teaching style so you can decide if you want to enroll in the course.
1: Anyone that's listening to this should go listen to the podcast. We'll leave links in the show notes because yes, all of my male listeners, it says sisterhood a lot and it's talking directly to women. But if you can move away from that masculinity lens and lean into what's here, what, what, what's underneath the conversation that I think is so powerful is moving from an individualistic view of walking through life to a yeah. collective view of walking through life because there's so many benefits in it. And the number one benefit is what we're doing right now is that validation. Yes. Oh, you went through that? Me too? Oh, we should take yes. a breath together because that was hard. That journey period was hard. Yes. And sometimes that's all you need. Mm-hmm. It's more, but sometimes that's all you need at that moment.
0: hmm that is so, so true. That makes me think, there about when I was in grad school, I, I was in this space in life where I had just graduated from college and I did everything my mentors and advisors said. I went to school. I got good grades. I got a good job. <laughs> and I was like... I'm not happy. Like, this is what it feels like to do all the things that they said. Like, you know, you're at college. And you're like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm going to graduate. Life's going to be amazing. And then I was like, well, I have all the things that they said I should have. And I am not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I don't know who I am. And I feel yeah. like that was the first time in life where I had a chance to really face myself and be with myself, living by myself, living from, you know, I'm from Philly, but living in Maryland by myself, I couldn't go home often. And so I was really faced with myself and had to meet myself in a different way. And mm-hmm. so it just makes me think about that, journey of, you know, just understanding how my childhood really impacted who I was at that point in life. And I didn't realize the connection. I thought that because I was so far removed from those experiences, I'm like, okay, it's done. It was like, I never addressed (laughs) the stuff. Right. And so I started my very first brand in grad school and it was called Mocha Girls Pit Stop, where I just really talked about my story and created a space for other women to talk about some really taboo topics from like, you know, being molested, you know, by one of your parents to, you know, struggling with an eating disorder. Like it was very heavy. But what I realized is that as we began to share our stories, we had so much more in common. And one of my key stories that I shared was my um, my. tumultuous relationship with my mom and a lot of women came out of the woodworks from around the globe. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I struggled with that too. When it came to, you know, my relationship with my mom. And so, like you said, Mm -hmm. having that community and getting that validation, it does allow you to kind of take a side, like, okay, it's not just me. Like other people are going through this and they're thriving. So I know that I can do it too.
1: Well, and in that process, it allows you to peel off the layers that don't belong to you, right? Mm. So you talking about your tumultuous relationship with your mom, I went through a similar journey with my mom. And it's funny because I actually think that it was my dad that I had so much challenge with because my dad was absent from the house. He was in and out of prison. And so I'm like, that's it. You abandoned me. And this is why I am the way that I am, you know, whatever that looks like. And it wasn't until going to therapy about 10 years ago that I started to go, oh, it's actually." With my mom, and here's how I can heal that and create better space for 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 my relationship with the mom, my mom. But then that took off a layer of like, oh, that's my mom's burden. You know, some of these things, these tapes that are in my head now, are actually yeah. my mom's tapes. And then that just kept going on and on and on. And I know that I'm not there yet. I know that there's tons of work to be done, and this will be a lifelong journey. But for me, I'm just looking forward to that moment where I make a thought or I have a thought and I have intentions and I, it it really truly is coming from a place that's inside of me and not through, like you said, like this baggage or this weight or, or this, this complexity of something that existed before us, whether that was in our childhood whether that was an emerging adulthood, whatever that may look like. Oftentimes we don't pay enough attention to really where a thought came from. And then we act on that thought and then we go through our entire life going, I'm wrong, or I'm not enough. And you're like, well, hold on. Maybe you are, because you are. Yes. There just may be some layers in between you understanding that you are enough and seeing how you can ultimately contribute.
0: That is so powerful. That is so powerful. And I would agree with that wholeheartedly. When I was in grad school, I had this, it was a two-year program. And I, and during that phase, I say that I dated myself because that was the first time in <laughs> life where that. I was like... I literally went on dates, like I would take myself to the movies. And I one of the things I struggled with a lot prior to that, or really in the midst of that journey, was like social anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things, too, that was bizarre for me is based on how I grew up, I was like a chameleon. So I didn't really know myself, but I would go into different settings and I would just like put on, you know, what other people Like their emotions. Like if everyone else is laughing, I'm laughing. Like I didn't have an identity. I didn't know who I was. But people on the outside, they did. They had no idea. Like I put on a great show. Like I put on a facade. No one knew that I had this mask on, but I wasn't happy. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked. I was so accustomed to just. Shifting you know to to become what everyone else around me was, because that served me well in an abusive household, like I did that to be safe, so yeah. during that period of dating myself, I learned how to be by myself, and that was so powerful for me like it was game changing, leaning into solitude, not needing to be in a relationship because what I realized is that when I was dependent upon other people, I would put up with shit that I should not have put up with like I was just <laughs> tolerating stuff in relationships where I was like you are better than this. Like, you know, you don't have to put up with this, but when you don't want to be alone, you just kind of, you know, put up with any warm body that's next to you. And it's just like, okay, cool. Like this is what it is. So I found a lot of value in that. I was going to go somewhere with that Daryl, but I kind of forgot, but I wanted to ask you with having, you know, my mom was in and out of jail since I was eight years old with your dad being away. Like what effects did that have on you personally? Like, was there anything that you realized in adulthood that maybe him being away, like how it, Is there anything in adulthood that you realized, I guess, that experience, I don't know, contributed to something that's showing up in adulthood, if that makes any sense?
1: Yeah, I know it does. And two things, I love how, because I think that there's... Everything is so overproduced in terms of what we consume every single day. And I love how you're like, oh yeah, I forgot what I was saying. Yeah, because we're in conversation together. And like for me, I often forget where I was going. So I'm just like, I'm enjoying this conversation and here's the space that I have. So I love that you said that. Um, And for everyone that's listening, if you don't hear mistakes like that on a podcast or you don't hear like that human element, like, you know, Terry, Terry's podcast is a great example of this as well. It's not real and it's likely way overproduced way overscripted and you're you're giving very curated content find more podcasts that are more organic <laughs> I know I'm trying to not call out certain podcasters, but right. find podcasts that are really organic because that's what we need more of is we need this real human connection. And for me, like that's what podcasting can do. Like I grew up on radio shows and I loved radio shows. And I think that's what this likely could be if we choose to honor this space and not create just another version of television that is now audio. Exactly. Okay. So answering your actual question now. So I had a very complex childhood. Um, and I, the reason I pause is because I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I'm going to go here on the podcast. And it's funny because there's that moment of hesitation. Cause I'm like, Oh, number one, this isn't just my story to tell. And so mm-hmm. you have to be careful about that. And then number two, I have family that listen to the podcast that aren't in a as healthy relationship with the past. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that this was is going to be triggering. And so my family that's listening to this, I love you. And here is a lot of the healing that I had to go through. And this is about my story and whatever your story is, I think that you can create space for your story. So for my story, um, growing up with a dad, uh, that was in and out of prison, um, I didn't realize this at the time, um, but it made me feel so much less than because I just, I didn't have anyone to speak into me. And so I'm like, growing up, my mom, we were the poorest kids at the top private schools, (laughs) which is just really funny. Cause if you met my mom, she's just like, I'm going to take you and drop you off and things are just going to get figured out. And so that early tape of education, I'm going to come back to that. Cause I heard that in your story about um, grad school, that early tape of like education is the road to safety. Mm -hmm. Um, that was really important. And I learned that from my mom, but, but going into like early, early childhood, um, with my dad and out of of prison, it was, I never had someone that could just support me. I'm one of six. And so my mom was just so busy surviving, right? Like we have a very broad age. My mom's been a a mom for over 40, uh, over 50 years now. Right. And so six kids spread across 50 years is a lot of time. And so I didn't have that attention necessarily from her or from my dad. And so not having it for him, from him, I think had more of an impact on some of my masculine development. And then not having it from her get, had an impact on my feminine development, if that wow. makes if that makes sense. So it kind of was like, a it was a two punch for me. Yeah, and yeah. then so the way that I survived life is very similar to what you said about that chameleon was, okay, well, I'm not getting it from my dad. I'm not getting it from my mom. And so what's going to make me safe is if I just blend in with everyone and That's like right. oh my gosh my so the the only way that I survived Intel college, and you know, honestly, some of the things I still hold on to is I told lies. Like mm-hmm. lies were something that I was so good at telling because for me, like when people would ask me, like, "Oh, what does your do, Dad? Your dad do for a living?" Oh. oh, he travels internationally and he does all that. Like, and and <laughs> like I would have the most extravagant stories. That's why I think I'm so creative today is because like I would have yeah. to think of these stories and then keep these stories going for years. You know, just yeah. to protect like me saying my dad is in prison. Like I could never, I could never, like it's one, like before this podcast, I didn't share this publicly, but saying that, you know, my dad is in prison. Like I would never say that. And so really how it affected me is like, I needed that. I needed that validation. I needed someone at the end of the day. And like, I couldn't get this from my mom. I couldn't get it from my dad, but I just needed someone so desperately to say, I see you. I'm proud of you. And I love you. And instead of not having that, I then tried to go seek it from the world. Mm -hmm. And that became the story is if I'm pleasing everyone and I'm fitting in with everyone, I'm good enough.
0: Yes. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, Daryl. Wow. 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 I'm just thinking about all that you share and the the many layers there. I can definitely, I can definitely relate. I mean, for sure. Wow.
1: I know it's hard. It, I, I Same it like is. as soon as just you were going, back. I'm like,
0: <gasps> yeah. Just thinking back, like to the because Daryl, what I think about too is like the little child. Now that I have a daughter, right? My daughter's one, and I what I've realized is I raised my younger siblings because my mom was in and out of jail, and my same. dad, you know, did the best that he could. And I, I'm one of seven, so I have seven siblings. So I'm like, we have, we have a lot in common here, and so. I just think about, you know, watching my siblings hit certain milestones. Like my little brother, when he was about eight, he had came to visit my husband and I, and he was hanging out. And I remember getting so emotional because I was like, wow, when I was eight, I was helping to make bottles and helping my dad because my mom was away and having to lie. And like, oh my gosh, first we didn't know that she was going with to jail. It was like, oh, she's on vacation or she's going like on a business yeah. trip. And then when we, the adults around us, like at church, they knew, but then when we got older, it was like. I remember when at one point my biological father and my mom were both in jail when I was in college and I felt so worthless because I'm like, who like who can relate? Like I like who am I like this is what I come from. And I remember like thinking about, okay, if friends ask what my parents do, um, this is what I'll say, because who wants to say like my oh, my parents are both locked up like that's awkward, you know. So I'm with you, man, like having to continue those lies. It's no joke.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like I'm laughing because the parallels are just so wild <laughs> yeah. and it's also so healing to, cause like yeah. no one that I went to school with can share this perspective. No one. Yeah. Yeah. When you were talking about making bottles when you're eight and that whole concept, I'm going through that same thing with my kids right now. And so it's so funny that parallel, I look at my daughter who's in fifth grade right now. And when I was in fifth grade, I had to drive us across the country Yes, my, and it's sometimes I'm just like, how and why would my mom trust that to happen? But like, we drove from Denver to San Diego when I was her age with four wow. of my siblings because my mom had a massive black eye and she couldn't do it. And we were fleeing. And it brings you to this space where, and I'm wondering if this is true for you and others that are listening is be, when you grow up in so much survival, mm-hmm. you don't often have the opportunity to ask yourself what you want. Mm-hmm. And What I love about your story is one, how early you started to develop this relationship of asking yourself or maybe seeing that there's more and then asking yourself, what do I truly want? And then leaning into that discomfort and going like, I'm going to date myself. I'm going to go, you know, literally go have food with myself and reflect and journal because you were able to then ask yourself what you want. And I think so many of us go through all of life not really asking ourselves what we want not from a selfish point of view but truly asking ourselves what we want and i'm wondering what that transition looked like specifically from you for you you know all the way back to the roots of you know early development third you know uh, eighth with third grade right that's 8 years old third third fourth grade 8 years old making bottles caring for the family to where you're at now i know there's a lot in there but can you help us understand what are some of those tangible things that you took away from going, now I'm asking myself what I want, and mm-hmm. this is the result of that? And that was a really long question, so I don't know if you're going to be able to answer it.
0: Okay. I'm just <laughs> processing. I'm taking it all in. Wow. Yeah. I'm still thinking about you driving across the country. Um, whew. Okay. So some of the tangibles. Well, one of the things I'll say that I, one of the things that just came to mind as you were speaking is... I watched a lot of strong Black women and men, but I'm going to point out the women right now because I noticed something very interesting about the Black women in my life. Um, growing up seeing- You watch or you watched through this period? I, I watched through this period. Okay. Yep. Watched Mm -hmm. them through the period. And what I realized is that a lot of them were just, they were very strong. They Mm. took on the weight of the world. So whether it was catering to their man, their families, like whatever it was, they were very strong. But I realized that a lot of them did not ask themselves the question like what do I want or they did not seriously Mm -hmm. pursue the things that they wanted and my grandmother um, who's now uh, passed away but rest in peace to my amazing grandmother we were so close and one of the things I admired about her is that even though she did you know raise her children and her grandchildren and cater to you know my grandfather and his dreams and goals when she was in her 60s she started a talk show like locally in the (laughs) Philadelphia area and I thought that was the dopest thing ever I was like that is so cool my mom and she always had so So many dreams and goals, but she passed away before she had a chance to live them out. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I took away from that was no matter what phase I'm in in life, like I'm always going to fill my cup first. So even as a wife, even as a mother, some people may think that it sounds selfish. And honestly, sometimes I don't think it's wrong to be selfish. Like I believe that, like yeah. I know that if I, if, if if I'm not together, if I'm not okay, my household is going to be a shit show yeah. based on like my energy, not being where I want it to be. I'm going to impact everyone else. Like I like to, you know, set the environment up. I like my environment to be inspiring. So whether it's candles or incense or whatever it is, like I meditate and set the tone for my household. That is what I enjoy doing. And I know that if I'm not okay, my daughter is going to show up in a different way. I know that my husband's going to, where's my wallet? Where's my stuff? Like I know that certain things are just going to be out of whack if I'm not okay. And so I fill my cup first. And so it kind of, I think it goes back to what you asked about, you know, what do I want? At first, when I asked myself that question, I didn't know. And so I had to dig deep and I was like, okay, well, what don't you want, right? Sometimes you don't know what you want. So it's like, "What, what don't I want, right? One of the questions I asked myself as well was, you know, what kind of lifestyle do I want to live? I may not know what job I want. I know may not know what career I want to move into, but what do I want to be able to do, right? Like what brings me joy? And it took me a long time to dig into those questions. So while I was dating myself. I went to therapy for the first time ever, which is so bizarre to think about all the things I had been through, abuse, <laughs> molestation, like all these things. And like, in grad school, it's like, oh, therapy, because that wasn't an option for me growing up. Like, we don't talk yeah. about our business. What happens in this house stays in this house. Like, therapy's for white people. You know, a lot of us heard that yep. growing up. Thankfully, yep. the mental health field is is growing expanding, and our community is more receptive now. But we heard those narratives online. I thought that therapy was for white people on Lifetime. Like, that was just what, <laughs> growing up, right? Very yeah, erroneous. Same. Yeah, so in grad school, I did that. Because growing I got, up, do you know a single
1: person in your family, in your circle that went to therapy? No, but yeah. I know that
0: there were people that struggled with mental health. And we would just say, oh, that's your crazy auntie. That's your crazy yeah. uncle. Like, that's it. Right? Yeah. Oh, they're bipolar. And we didn't really understand what bipolar meant then, right? So therapy, getting a life coach, journaling, mm-hmm. personality tests. I mean, I dug in deep to understand who is this girl that I've been, this, 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 this flesh, this body, like that I've been living in, right? This, this earthly home, who is this person and who do I want her to become? And so those were some of the questions that I, that I asked myself, I still have the journal entries and reading them. Oh my gosh, Daryl. It's just like the waterworks, right? Just seeing how I've grown and developed over time. So I hope that answers the question.
2: Oh man, this episode is just getting started and trust me, you do not want to miss the rest of this amazing conversation. Quick side note to say the Hectic Podcast is brought to you by HecticApp.com. If you are a freelancer looking for a way to take control of your side hustle, get out of admin days, or simply get paid on time, Hectic is for you. With our essentials plan, you get unlimited client and project management, invoicing, time tracking, and tons more ready to level up, give your clients their own portal and take charge of your sales pipeline with Hectic Pro. Get everything you need to start, manage, and grow your freelance business all in one place. Get started for free today at gethecticapp.com slash podcast.
1: Which also, I hate you, Michelle, so much for the guests that you find. I'm just going to talk directly <laughs> to Michelle here for a moment. Uh-oh, <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> she has like she has this like I'm gonna find the guests that help bring and maybe there's maybe I don't hate you. Maybe this is me saying how much I love you because you understand me so well. you help curate guests that help me lean in to myself. You have an episode um, on imposter syndrome and I have struggled so much with that throughout my life. And it's, it's rooted in not having a good one relationship with myself, but two, Mm. a good relationship with feeling comfortable saying and asking, what do I want? Mm. Um, Also, what do I not like? Because that, that is a, it's a luxury. Like it really is. People don't understand this that have not went through very complex levels of trauma and survivalism. Asking what you want is a luxury. And if you have that in your life right now, stop this recording and, 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 and create some space for gratitude because that it, it is something that many people in this world don't have the opportunity to do. Yeah. Asking what I want, what I don't like, the things that I want to imagine in my life. So many people don't have that. And yeah. so if you have it, use it because so many people wish they could have that and are living less than lives because mm. they don't have the opportunity to ask what you want. And for me, this process of journaling, this process of, of of self-identification through self-discovery and self-mastery helped me move away from this concept of imposter syndrome because I didn't ask myself what I wanted. And so ultimately yeah. I ended up in roles that I'm like, I don't really like this role, but I did go to school for this and I do have a master's. So I should be following and pursuing this and hated it. And because yeah. I didn't have good representation or good examples of what it looks like to be you know, like a truly successful black male that's not in, you know, a high visibility role, such as, you know, an athlete or doctor, a lawyer, yeah. you know, I chose a different path. It was very difficult to go, what does this even look like? And so I just go, oh, I'm going to mirror it. I'm going to mirror it. I'm a mirror it. Shove your emotions down, which is really just shoving yourself down. And it's like so important. If you're a parent, you have to fight yes. for this because what's going to happen is we're going to get told who we should be. Because we're going to, like through primary school, through post-secondary school, it's going to go, this is who you should be. The world's going to tell it to us. And it's our job as parents to help nurture this for those parents. I know that the demographic skews that like half the people that are listening are not parents. You will be one day. And if you're not, you'll mentor someone. But this concept of really leaning in to challenging in a really healthy way to help create systems that create better self-mastery later, because, and that's why I love freelancing so much, because... If, if we can make freelancing something that is super tangible from a success point of view, it's ultimately going to create another yeah. outlet for those people that go, you know what? I don't want to be a manager at some fortune, whatever company I want to just create. Yes. And then they're able to see people doing that successfully. I think it'll create yeah. new connectivity on what success looks like. And so that was a massive tangent. I have no idea where it was going, but I think there's some important nuggets there that I like, Think I imagine you'll respond to. <laughs>
0: Yes. Those were absolutely amazing. And what I love is it sounds like you are parenting very different from, very differently from the way that you were parented. And I'm sure that the old folks like in our families would probably listen to that and like, you don't ask no child what they want or whatever it might be, but I'm with you. Like I thought that based on how I grew up, I used to think that I would be this very conservative parent and like, you know, do as I say and not as I do. And, but I believe that I'm, my grandparents will probably roll over in the grave. If they understand, like, once I get to that point in, <laughs> you know, my daughter's life, the way that I'm going to include her in on the process, like, very intentional parenting and not teaching her what to think, but how to think that's so important. Right. And so whether it's like religion and she wants to explore different religions or whatever it might be like having conversations, that's going to be so important in my household and my husband and I are on the same or on the same page about doing that. And so it's very different, but I think that we're definitely going to be raising um, free thinkers who are thinking outside the box, who've thrown the box away. Right. They're just like building a new, a new way of living and thinking and, and carrying on the next generation. So I love that. Kudos to you. Thanks. It's not easy. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, one thing I want to say, John, I want to kind of go back to what you said earlier. You talked about things that hold you back. And we were talking about our journeys and like being grateful for the journey. And I think about you giving your children the opportunity to have these experiences where they can expand their mind and really think critically like that's so important yeah. to do that when you're younger and it makes me think about all of the experiences that I've had when I was younger now in the moment as a child there were so they were so challenging like I remember asking like why me so many times and I didn't realize the level of dysfunction that I was in until I got older and I looked back and I was like oh I've lived in 14 different residences including a <laughs> hotel and a shelter before I went away to college like oh that's 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 insane. It is insane. But I didn't realize that in the moment. I was like, oh, we move a lot. I get to go to different schools. I get to meet new friends. It (laughs) developed in me skills that I can't get at Harvard. Like it developed in me skills that I, I can't buy at the bookstore. Right. And so I think about the empathy that I have. I think about the resilience. I mean, I remember chatting with one of my tech colleagues during the pandemic. And he was like, this is one of the most challenging times of my life. And again, we're not trauma shaming folks or anything, but It was interesting to me because I was like, what the pandemic is the most challenging thing for you? And I was like, must be must be nice because goddamn the stuff that I went through in life. I really feel so equipped to handle just about anything. Right. I've lost a parent. I've been through all this adversity. And so I feel like now instead of wearing my adversity like a badge of shame, it really is a badge of honor. And it makes me more unique. It makes me interesting. It makes me um, be able to be a great leader because I know that if something tanks and if we, you know, are homeless, like we're going to be okay. I've been, I've been here before, right? Like, we're, it, you know, once you've hit rock bottom, it's like, there's nowhere else to go, but up like we're, we're good. I got this, you know?
1: Well, it's funny that you say that because, uh, same, well, I, I, I don't know if it was 14, but I, it was probably like 13 close second, yeah. uh, lots of hotels, lots of cars, London. Um, but this concept of, um, What's at risk was introduced to me from my, um, my coach a few years back and it goes into my perfectionism and how I've kind of started to recover from perfectionism is because she literally would sit me down and sometimes this would take the entire hour, uh, to get to real talk, uh, it would take the entire hour and she'd go, okay, Daryl, what's at risk here? Like if you fail with whatever, what's at risk? Well, then this happens. Okay. Then what? Well, then this happens. Okay. Then what? Well, then this happens. Okay. Then what? And she would just do this and do this, and It would drive yeah. me insane. Right. And then, um, she'd ask me, but it doesn't sound like you ended up homeless. It doesn't sound like you ended up in where you were, um, growing up. Yeah. So do you think that you can handle anything that comes? And I'd be like, I hate you, Amy. <laughs> Stop, stop messing <laughs> with my mind exactly. but I think it's important that component is so important is like so many people that are you know choosing entrepreneurism that are choosing to work more independently, often have some spectrum of trauma. They often have some Mm -hmm. spectrum of adversity that hasn't yet been validated in the traditional professional workplace, because that's not something that like you ask in hiring, how much adversity have you went through? Which I wish it was, because I think that it would like, it would actually solve a lot of the, um, uh, diversity challenges that we have at yeah. organizations is with that yeah. one question is because you have a lot more people that are equipped to deal with very complex and very dynamic uh, situations that are, you know, yeah. ever evolving. However, I digress. That was so important for me to realize is that it's not going to end up here. So at the end of the day, if I survived that, if I got through that is really mm. the presentation or keynotes, the keynote that I'm dealing with, like is that the <laughs> end of the world bell? And it's funny exactly. because I also have to give a disclaimer. I am not perfect at this yet. Like as I'm talking about this, I will go have a freak out later this afternoon about something. So I just want to make sure that yeah. that, that disclaimer is out there.
0: <laughs> it definitely is a process, Daryl. That is another thing that I've learned too, is like, Nothing is set it and forget it. I remember, again, back in grad school, right? When I was dating myself, confidence. I worked on confidence and I had affirmations all around my apartment. And it was just this place <laughs> of that. me getting to learn and love myself. And I, I, after that phase in life, like I stopped doing a lot of the things that I did then because I was in this phase of like, I'm building myself. And I felt confident after that two-year period. And I was like, okay, great. And then after I had a baby a year ago, <laughs> oh, I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> whose body is, what is this? What is this body? And so I was like, oh, wow, I'm having to revisit a lot of the things that I thought I was done with. Right. So it's like, it really is a process. And even like with speaking, I haven't been on stage in years because of the pandemic. I love giving keynotes. I love giving presentations, but I know that I'm going to be a little nervous the next time I do it because I haven't done it in a while. And so for me, it really is about just giving ourselves grace, right? And Like constantly developing and realizing that this is all part of the process and the journey.
1: Hmm. Do you have a grace practice? Is there something that you do to make sure that you are recognizing yourself and and making sure that you're treating yourself well uh, through this season and seasons of your life?
0: In general... I do a lot of like meditation, the journaling, Mm -hmm. things like that. But I will say the biggest thing for me, and I really want us to like lean into this for a second, if that's okay. The biggest thing for me is the way I speak to myself about myself, like the internal dialogue. I worked very hard on reprogramming my mind. And before we dive into like where I am today, I really want folks to understand like based on my upbringing, like I don't know, unless you've experienced this, Daryl, like which I, I believe you have, I don't know if people understand like the self-hate that one can have when you've yeah. been told that you're not good enough when you have been like punched in your face by your parent like the the one that's supposed to love you and they brought you into the the world like that 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 cultivates in you such a deep level of self-hatred i remember being abused by my mom and a lot of times the hatred and the anger that came about by me not being able to react to what was happening to me it really was sort of an implosion like all of that was redirected to myself and so although you know people might give me compliments and say nice things about me externally like deep inside i mean i did not want to be here like i really did not see any value at all within myself and the the self talk in my mind was so negative like i remember just uh, like trying to figure out what do i think about when I'm walking around, like on my college campus, because I had so much social anxiety and I just didn't know how to engage with myself. So I was very disconnected from self. And as I was rebuilding my confidence and reprogramming my, my mind, I read this book, I believe it's called, um, it's like, it's called Confidence. It has like a big sunflower on it. I think one of the author's name is McKay. And one of the activities they had me do was do an audit of what my thoughts were throughout the day the days. Right. And I remember doing this and I was like, Whoa, I have a lot. Like I would catch myself every time I had a thought about myself, write it down. And I had to, then the next activity was to then reframe it. And one of the things they focused on was being factual when you speak about yourself. So for me, I grew up very thin, always a very you know skinny person, got teased about it. I have very big feet. That's been that way (laughs) since like high school. Also, I got teased about my eyes. I have very big eyes and people would just tease me about these things. And I became insecure and thought I was very ugly. And so in the self-talk, it was like, you know, one of the things I would say is like, oh, I'm so skinny. I'm so bony. Like, I look like I have an eating disorder because people would say those things Mm -hmm. about me. But when I reframed it, it was like, no, that's actually not a fact, right? Right. The facts are you are 5'5 and you're and." 20 pounds or whatever it is that is a fact and that has no judgment like that that is just a fact and it allowed me to interact with myself in a different way as I began to reframe that so I reframed a lot of my thoughts and reprogrammed it and kind of going back to what you said my practice of grace is like I'll call myself baby girl sometimes like that's my Mm -hmm. language so if I make a mistake instead of being like oh my god you're so fucking stupid like that's the old talk I do not talk to Terry that way today, okay? I do not play that. If I even have an inkling of like trying to say something <laughs> negative, I'm like, pause, hold on. We don't talk to Terry that way. Mm-mm. And I yeah. will even do that to my friends. Like I've had friends who were like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I'm like, wait a second. Mm, don't talk to my friend like that. Like right. We have to be protective of how we speak to ourselves about ourselves. Because as I began to do that for myself with myself, when I began to get into relationships back when I was single and someone came with some different type of energy, I was like, hold up yeah, you can't talk to me that way. Like that's, that's <laughs> not going to work because now I respect myself and I have high standards for how I engage with myself. So that is like the biggest grace practice for me is how I speak to myself about myself. Hmm.
1: I don't know how to respond right now because um, I'm just really trying to work through not crying one, mm. um, because I think that it, when you were talking about when you're yeah, when you're talking about the abuse, yeah. um, and what's like reinforced over and over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. it does make you hate yourself, and you don't even yeah. know why. And it's yeah. so hard to have that inside of you to just not know why you don't like yourself. Yeah. And then, like for me, it was my stepdad. Mm-hmm. I remember like. And now that I, I I know why he did what he did now, like in terms of like the psychology behind it, but he'd always back me into a corner and hover over me like right before he would do whatever, right. He'd hover over me and he would just, you know, do that thing, right. Like point it out, say certain things, you know, all the words, right. Like, I'm not even going to say them. He would just say all the words. I don't think that it deserves power in this, in this space, but he would just say all the words and then he would leave, and then what happens? You're there by yourself
0: yes.
1: as an adolescent going, you know what? Who the fuck cares? Right. Like why, who, why does it matter? Right. And in that, as you're trying to develop, up, like develop who you are and develop a relationship of love for yourself. And then so like through that and through you telling that story, one, thank you so much for telling that story. Cause I think it's so powerful. Cause I know that it's not just you and I. That are here, yeah. right? Like somebody likely has had a teacher that has done that same thing to them, right? Someone oh, yeah. has had a friend that has done that same thing to them. Yeah. But why I'm saying this and why I'm responding and why I think it's so important what you just said there is this, this developing out more positive self-talk yeah. is because that is what truly unlocked it for me as well. Is because it's not just the way that you talk to yourself. It's what you just labeled is it's the way others will talk to you mm-hmm. and it's what you'll tolerate because then that reinforces. And then you go, cause we're good. Our brains are good at collecting evidence, reinforcing yep. evidence. Our brains that's are really right. good at it. And it'll go, see, that's who you are. That's what you deserve. These are the people, and you don't realize that you're attracting these people because that's who you that's how you talk to yourself. And it it hasn't really been until recently, like honestly, recently, where I've been able to harness that and use it as a superpower for more very toxic, masculine type personas where I can Mm -hmm. walk into that space, create love for what they've gone through, what they where they are, and then try to help divert that to the way that they talk down to other people. And it's only because I now have this better, deeper, grace-filled, growing relationship yes. with myself. So I just like this moment, I will cry after this episode. Yeah. I'm trying to hold it together to get through the last few minutes of whatever this yeah. is, but this is important and I appreciate you sharing.
0: Thank you, Daryl. I really appreciate that. And I've definitely tried to, although I value crying, like I don't want to ugly cry on the podcast and like distract us from the story. That's just my thing. Like I will cry probably later too, but I appreciate you sharing as well because this is important. And I don't think people talk about, like, I want to talk about the taboo things. I want to talk about those nasty, icky feelings, you know, that people don't get like people kind of just like brush over. It's like, oh yeah, I was abused and this happened. And I get that, you know, we all have our responses to trauma and we don't want to dive in too deep and things of that nature. But I really like to dig in because I want people to understand, like if you're in that space and you don't feel like you have any hope or you just like, you look in the mirror and you're just like, fuck, this is like, this is what I, this is, this is me. Like you're not alone, you know, like I've been there, you know, and it definitely is a process. So I appreciate you sharing. Um, I, I thought of a few other things like that just came to mind as you were sharing, but I'm down to just go with the flow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know we probably, we probably should wrap as this becomes like one of the longest episodes that we've, we've ever done, but that just means that we're going to have to do a part two. And like, I'll just be super transparent. I don't know if I could continue to go. And I hope that everyone, Michelle, I really hope that this ends up in the edit is I absolutely couldn't continue at this point because I am okay. going to need to go release after this conversation just yeah. because there's a yeah. lot here. Um, yeah. a lot that like I haven't publicly processed before either. Hey. And so it's just like I need to then create that space of like, well, how did that feel? Like that's <laughs> literally what I'm going to do after this is journal through it because I don't want this moment to slip away. And not actually feel the emotions around that. Because for me, and maybe this will be the last question I'm wondering for you, is how good it feels to start feeling emotion and what that has allowed you, maybe, maybe it's true for you, for me, Mm -hmm. it it allowed me to embrace more of a human experience and Mm -hmm. also connect better with people when I started Mm -hmm. feeling, because I had, I numbed for most of my life. I still numb, but I I numbed it for most of my life.
0: (laughs) Well, with tissues, (laughs) because, um, what I'll say is that (laughs) for a long time, like I'm, uh, what was the word I was thinking of? Oh yeah. You got me off guard with that one. So (laughs) yes I was yeah, definitely we're both gonna um, need
1: processing we're both gonna this. need processing
0: I, I don't have <laughs> tissues so I have the toilet paper on me this is this is as real as it gets guys I love but no this. for me Daryl numbing was my thing and I remember yeah. one of my teachers my high school teacher when he saw me sharing my story more on Facebook he was he's like I never knew you were going through that because mm-hmm. I was so great at plastering a smile on my face yeah. even though I was experiencing turmoil on the inside and part of that chameleon life meant that when I felt emotions I suppressed them so I was like it was a total fuck on the inside to you know be abused and then you know your parent might say like don't cry or i'll give you a reason to cry and it's like well you just yeah. punched me so that whole thing so I, w- I was very disconnected and i know this is like a professional setting but i i do think this is important to say it that numbing occurred in all areas of life so it was personal relationships even sex right like numbing yeah. how you like not being connected to your body at all um even when it came to like dance and just doing different fun things like i was very much um disconnected from myself and my body. And so what I'll say is, as I began to travel on this journey and go through therapy, I realized that Crying is important, feeling my emotions, even feeling anger. Like I've been dealing with yeah. a lot of um, feelings of anger with my mom because we are still uh, estranged today. And so being honest with myself, like it's OK to have rage and to be upset and to be pissed because I did not have space to feel that when I was younger. And so part of my healing also included going back to the setting where i was violated as a child and saving myself from those situations so like my grown up self today would go back and i would visualize and instead of you know seeing the act happen and seeing me be defeated in the moment, I would then, you know, grown up Terry would go back to younger Terry and save her and take her away. And I would yeah. hug her and love on her and, you know, cry with her and give her space. You know, I bought a yo-yo and a coloring book recently. And so <laughs> doing those inner child activities to, to to heal myself. So I think that feeling the emotions is super important. I'm really grateful for you, Daryl, and the work that you do, because I think that men in general, but also Black men it's important to see another man who can, yeah. you know, feel those emotions and, and touch on those aspects of your story. So, thank you for that.
1: Yeah. And thank you as well and what you're doing with your podcast. And I, I, I do, before we wrap up, I want to give you the opportunity to tell us a little bit about your podcast. Um, let us know where to find it and where to keep up with you, Miss Lovely Terry Lomax.
0: Absolutely. So I am on social media. Instagram is my favorite playground. You can find me at Terry Lomax. That's T-E-R-R-I-L-O-M-A-X at Terry Lomax on most social media platforms. And my co-host and I, Dr. Dawn, we have a podcast called Cultivating Her Space. HER is an acronym for healing, empowerment, and resilience. And we literally just created this to be a space for uplifting Black women, although we have men and women from all backgrounds that tune in. We touch on everything from fibroids to face- Friends And we've released episodes every single Friday, like clockwork for the past three years. We, yeah, release episodes every week. So you can find us. We have almost 200 episodes released to date. So come and check us out. And I hope you enjoy.
1: Please, please support like the people that have podcasts that I bring onto the show that we bring onto the show. I think it's so important to then go listen to episodes from them and help support. Like you guys have been so incredible at supporting the Hectic Podcast. Please support these this is a community. Like I think that's what's most important is this isn't competition of like, oh, this is my space and this is my space and I'm the king of podcasters. Joe Rogan, you're not. Um <laughs> <laughs> the king or queen of podcasters, whatever they look like. This is a community. And I think it's important, like go listen to these episodes because if you liked or enjoyed something here, you'll likely continue to engage there and it's helping support incredible people. It's why we bring them on the show is to help show that this is a collective. This is a we, this is not an I. And so please do support that. Um, and until next time, my friends, I know this is a really odd sign off. I'm like trying to figure out how to get this wrapped up as quickly as possible so that I can go process on my own. But until next time,
0: my friends, love you dearly. Peace.